Praise the Lord. I want to continue uh, with the follow-up class. Um, I need someone to get for me Acts 14, 21, and 22. Uh, Fred, if you'd get that. Acts 15, uh, 36. Um, Antoine, uh, Philippians 4, 8. Robert, um, uh, Titus 1, 15. If someone could. Billy, if you'd get that for me. Uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 7. Who'd get that for me? Who's got a Bible? Philippians 1, 3 through 7. Uh, John. Uh, so uh, I handed out a, a, a paper here uh, that's uh, available uh, to you. Um, um, confronting the air of uh, hyper grace. There's a hyper grace movement in the earth. Uh, it's nothing new. It's Calvinism. Uh, it's eternal security with a new name. And uh, the problem with doctrines is there's an old statement. You either fall off of the horse on one side or you fall off on the other side. And uh, you either go to legalism, where everything's by works, or uh, uh, I believe in grace. I think uh, Jesus is full of grace and truth. If you don't understand grace, uh, uh, somewhere you'll have issues. Uh, uh, I mentioned a few sermons ago. Uh, if you don't understand the grace of God, somewhere you'll become uh, uh, bitter and jealous and filled with envy. This was the elder brother uh, when God's grace was bestowed to the prodigal. The elder brother said, you never killed a kid for me. You never did this. How, how can you be doing this? Uh, he's, he messed up. And so uh, the grace of God is very powerful. Um, uh, we may talk a little bit about that and follow it. But the other side is that um, uh, this mindset um, that... Uh, uh, you're once saved, you pray a prayer, the grace of God's applied, you're forgiven, and then it doesn't matter what you do, uh, how you live, uh, you're eternally secure. I believe you're eternally secure as long as you live for God. But I also believe in backsliding. Uh, Jesus said, be hot or cold, I'm going to spew you out. He's talking to the church. How can, he, how can you be spewed out? What does that mean? And uh, so, so the whole, uh, and there's many scriptures that encourage the grace of God. Uh, it means that, you know, every time you do something stupid doesn't mean you're going to hell. But uh, the Bible uses the word backsliding. The Bible uses the word uh, uh, a dog returning to its own vomit and a pig to its own wallow, all of these kind of things. Uh, and so here's an article you can read. I'll have some more uh, for you. And uh, <clears throat> the problem is uh, with hyper-grace, uh, and uh, <clears throat> this guy Prince, uh, from this Chinese guy from Singapore, uh, has promoted this uh, huge. Uh, they call him the Prince of Grace and everything. Uh, uh, but um, the problem is, um, is uh, it produces uh, carnal, sinful, ungodly uh, people who ought to know better. And it's like no matter what I do, it removes conviction. It, it aborts and immunizes against conviction. And uh, the eternal security, this is where once saved, always saved, these terms, Calvinism, and the whole thought that God has chose you. And if God's chose you, uh, then it doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven. It's a, it's a, it's a, a warped predestination that they pump, and I believe in predestination, but I also believe you have a will. So the question is, uh, if you want to go down that road, so Judas didn't have a chance. 
No matter what he did, he was destined to betray the Lord and no hope for him. See, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I, I, uh, so why even evangelize? Why even witness? Talk to anybody about it. You might mess up God's plan. He don't want them to go to heaven. You get them saved. Man, you're terrible. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, but it's, uh, it's a big, big uh, push today. So anyway, I'll just give that to you. I don't want to. Uh, so I want to talk about follow-up. Uh, Acts 14, 21 and 22, uh, if you'd read that. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Okay, and, and um, uh, that word continue in the faith, there's a whole book if you continue. If you continue, if you continue in Christ, if you can. So Acts 15, 36. Then after some days, Paul and Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of, of the Lord and see how they are doing. Okay, and so uh, we've talked a few weeks about follow-up. It's a, it's, a, it's a critical need. And uh, I mentioned about God following up on Adam and Eve. Uh, where, are, where are you? Uh, even confronted Cain about his own brother, and he said, "Am I?" My? He said, "Your brother's blood cries out from the ground." Uh, I talked about Jesus um, and how he followed up on the blind man who was healed. Um, everyone was hammering him, and he came back and followed up on him. And so uh, it's very demanding. People can misunderstand uh, your intention. And many times in follow-up, you're working with raw, flawed material. Humanity is flawed material. Humanity is flawed material. And uh, then follow-up just isn't there. We'll talk a little bit about Peter later. But follow-up uh, is your, your salvaging souls or lives. So I want to talk about some... Uh, some guidelines, practical. Don't be the spiritual heavy uh, with new converts. Um, Pastor Mitchell and I were just in England together in a conference, Peter Jolla's conference, and he, I've heard him make this statement many times, these convert killers. The moment someone gets saved, um, uh, you're jerking the cross from around their neck, um, uh, you know, uh, get that cigarette out of your mouth, uh, you're going to hell in a minute and, and just... And these dead bodies float in the wake. And so uh, uh, don't dominate them with this constant stream of do's and don'ts. In, in, in follow-up, you're building a relationship. You want to become their friend. Don't be answering unasked questions. Don't make issues out of things that have nothing to do with their present situation or condition. Amen. They're new converts. They make messes. It's, if you've, you've got a new baby, I, I talked about that some. You got a new baby. I mean, it, it spits up, it, it messes. I mean, uh, and, and you're not trying, you know, uh, slapping that baby around. Stand up. Live for God. And um, uh, don't talk about negative things in the church. The church is real. It's made up of people. Uh, but when you're around new converts, don't be 
you may even be speaking. You got to watch what you say. Don't be uh, uh, saying negative, uh, uh, unbelieving, uh, uh, someone backslid, or this, or that, or that, or did you hear this? Did you hear that? And on and on and on it goes. Uh, uh, Philippians 4.8, if you'd read that. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, whatever things are Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, now here he's talking about thinking about things, but I, I want to, that's what you need to speak. That's what needs to come out of your mouth. Um, um, uh, Titus 1.15 Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Okay, let me, to the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, even their mind and conscience are defiled. So when you're around, you need to talk about things that are pure. You need to talk about vision. You need to talk about hope and what God can do in their life. You need to speak blessing and encouragement and deliverance uh, and be sensitive to their needs of the moment, their, their family, uh, marriage or relationships. Maybe they're living in, in fornication or adultery and, uh, uh, or friends are pulling on them. Uh, the financial needs or addictions uh, and uh, you're there to be their friend. This is a critical factor uh, uh, that you become someone they can trust um, and they can go to <clears throat> when they're in trouble, uh, when they're tempted, when they're struggling, when they hit a trial, and uh, you're there to encourage them. You're there to speak faith into them. God can help you. Listen, I know it. I know you're going. I know it's tough. But listen, listen. I've said, and you give a testimony of someone. Look how God helped them, or God helped me. God did this for me. And if you just hang on, uh, God's at work. God's going to help you. And uh, <clears throat> you're not their pastor, and you're not God to them. And so you've got to trust. Um, the spiritual climate of the church, you've got to trust uh, sermons uh, and teachings and Bible studies, um, uh, uh, worship. Um, uh, you've, in other words, you've got to have faith that God can shape their lifestyle and God can move on them. If you'll get them in the house of God, in the presence of God, um, and sermons and revivals and, and messages and and just that arena will do powerful things in their life. And so uh, don't addict them to you. Be a friend, but they need other friends. Don't hassle them about every little inconsistency of life. Um, uh, 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 you know, I preach Sunday night on modesty. And I believe, but I'm, I in I that sermon, I said, listen, I'm not talking to new converts. Amen. They, uh, when, I, when I got saved coming, I come, we didn't dress like church people. And, and so uh, their language sometimes, their dress, uh, uh, their attitudes, they may still have some addictions. Um, and uh, uh, you, you can't just leap on all of that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I got in my notes, Pastor Mitchell was just the last couple of days talked about convert killers. 
and uh, made a statement, people are more important than their bad habits. And he said, there's a lot of difference between a butcher and a surgeon. You've probably heard this. They both cut meat. But one at the end of the day lives and the other one dies. <laughs> and so, so, so follow-up um, is, uh, is you want the patient to live for God. So again, communicate uh, the positive, the faith aspects of salvation. Uh, God has touched you. God is going to help you. He's able to deliver you. He's able to change your circumstances. Uh, uh, he's able to bless you. I, I know you're struggling now. I know your marriage is, my, my wife and I, our marriage was a nightmare from hell. It would have made a good hell house uh, on Halloween. <laughs> I'm serious. It was, it was beyond the wreck. And, and it, there were violations, there was anger, there was, I mean, and God, but, but that's not just true of me, that's true of many sitting here. And so you have to communicate that. Beware of unrealistic expectations. They will grow, but they grow at different paces. You see, some people get saved and they take off like a rocket. It's the old story of the, the hare or the rabbit and the turtle. Some people get saved, and they're like a turtle. I mean, you're thinking, my Lord, you can't even, you have to drive a stake in the ground to see if they're even growing. But like the rabbit, he, I mean, he's out there dancing around and running backwards and everything, but then he takes a nap. And I've seen people, I've seen people take off, and then, and others just, and down the road, they pass them. And so you never know of the potential of what you have to see that. I'm going to talk a little bit about redemption. Uh, so beware of these unrealistic, again, uh, uh, expect, there's seasons in people's lives. You never know. It, uh, it depends a lot on their past and their understanding, their commitment level. You cannot force growth. You can, you can have your child you can, you can stand your, your, your child up. We got to grow, grow. I want you to be tall. Grow, grow, grow. Grow. What's wrong with you? And you, you stuff all kinds of food down them. And, and I believe, you know, in God, we need a spiritual diet. And it help, diet helps things. Uh, but uh, God has to work. Philippians 1, 1 through 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making, <clears throat> making requests for all of you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you because Now, I what's have, he thinking? Is that how you think about new converts? Is that how you think? Is that your mindset? Or are they a pain? Or they're a problem? Or they're, a, uh, the, you know? He says, "Listen, I kind of, I've, I've got these thoughts about you. These, I believe God. I got a confidence. Go ahead. Because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for all our partakers with me of grace." Okay, and so, so here, he, he says, listen, 
I, I've got this confidence in the Spirit of God. I got this confidence. Oh, yeah, I, I see Paul's not ignorant, but I believe God's going to touch you. God's going to lay hold of you. Remember when you were a new convert? Did you, did you have any problems? Do you still have any? Sometimes it takes years. And so uh, 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 let's look at Jesus in follow-up. I, I want to make a statement. You must believe in the redemptive power of God to be effective with people. You must believe. Not everyone who fails has to die. We deal with flawed humanity. It's inescapable. And as a congregation, we must, if you're going to err, err on the side of redemption. The devil will beat you to death with failures and flaws. <clears throat> I ministered recently about David, these 400 men discontent, in debt, distressed. Why did they gather themselves to David? Because <clears throat> he had a shepherd's heart. I mean, you read it over and over. He had a heart, uh, and, and, a heart and he believed. <clears throat> These 400 men became incredible. So let's look at Peter. And I, I want to I I work this through and we'll close and I'll open for questions. Luke 22 Verse 31 to 34. Who will get that for me? Luke 22, 31 to 34. Uh, anyone? Anyone got a, anybody carrying their Bible besides the guys who will keep going? Dave? Okay, uh, Luke 22. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Raymond? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, Mark 16, 7. Uh, Ken? Uh, John 21, 15 to 17. Um, uh, uh, John the Baptist, okay. Um, uh, Luke, uh, look at Peter, Luke 22, 31 to 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Fail. Turn the page here. <laughs> And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both in prison and to death. Okay, so here's a dynamic here. Listen to Jesus' words, though. And he knows what's coming. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou, hast, before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Okay, he knows what's coming. He, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. But if you could throw that back up there, that first verse or so, the statement he makes, I've prayed for you. Listen, one of the greatest things you can ever do for another human being is to pray for them. I'm actually working on a sermon uh, right now, getting it together, about praying for people. I mean, it's, you read the Bible, it's incredible. But he says, I've, go back to the first verse, if you would, please. Uh, he said, I prayed for you that your faith does not fail. Go back to the previous, not Samuel. 
And, and, uh, and what he's saying here is, I've prayed for you. That you, And then he makes this incredible statement. When you recover, I want you to strengthen the brethren. You're going to have a ministry when you recover. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. I've prayed for you, your face, and when you have returned, strength. What a statement. What an incredible statement. And so here is Peter, and uh, he fails miserably. Pride, uh, pride is a horrible thing. God hates pride. Uh, Pastor Mitchell and I were just talking the other morning, and we're talking about this, and I, I told him I just mentioned in a sermon how Lucifer, he's gifted, he's talented. He's one of the three probably, Michael, Gabriel, and he, he's a form, is beautiful. He can sing his opinion. And listen, any gifting, any talent that you don't use to give praise to God will become pride. And that's what he did. And we were and and the, the thing about humility is hell can't get any hooks in humility. When you're humble, uh, have you ever seen a humble person bitter? I mean, the, these attacks of hell. Uh, that, that, that come, humility. It's like hell can't get a hook in you uh, of jealousy or envy or bitterness or hatred or, or lust. It's on any, he can't get a hook in you. And so here is, day, uh, here is Peter and uh, he, Jesus, I, you know, listen, all these other guys, they're, they're flakes, they're nothing, they're all going to betray you. I'm ready to go to prison and to death for you. I mean, he, I mean, he's laying it out there, full of pride. Uh, but he says these incredible words, I say them to you again. When you recover, when you're restored, when you come, I want you to strengthen the brethren. Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9. Can I give that to anybody? Okay, I'll read it. Second Corinthians 12. And he uh, said to me, did I give it to someone? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's a, that's a revelation. You grasp that, I mean, you, you're going to excel for God in dominion. But you have to communicate that. To people who have failed, people who are flawed, people who stumble, people who are struggling. In other words, God triumphs over failure. Everyone who fails doesn't have to die. So I want you to, let's follow this through. Now, now Jesus is going to follow up on Peter. Look at Mark 16, 7. I give that to anybody. Yeah. Okay. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him as he said unto you. Okay. Uh, go tell his... And Peter. Now you can imagine what Peter's going through. You can imagine. He's publicly denied and cursed the Lord. You can imagine his mindset. It, it, it's over. It's finished. I'll never, I mean, 
church. He went out and wept bitterly. But you can imagine, hell is beating him to death right here. Jesus won't want anything to do with me. He, I mean, my destiny, all of those, it's all finished. And this statement of Jesus, I listen, I want to meet with the disciples. And then he gives this special invitation. There's something powerful. When people struggle or maybe they've done something uh, that they, they're sorry about, they're repenting about. And, and Peter, I mean, they would have all known. And he said, listen, Peter, I've not forgotten about you. I'm not giving up on you, Peter. Oh, I know you did something. And after, after all you said and, and walked on water and, and been with me, and uh, we're talking three, three and a half years down the road, and this is so powerful. What do you say? When someone fails, falls, messes up, sin, what do you say? And I noticed John, the Gospel of John, he barely mentions this whole thing with Peter and the rooster crumb. The others do. But John, it's like John. And remember, him and John, there was a couple of, and there's going to be some more. It's like Peter was jealous of John's relationship. John's laying his head on, on, on Jesus' breast and Peter's there in, in, in the next story. And, but John, it's like John says, I don't, I'm not going to run that out there. How do you respond? What do you say to people and about people right here is critical many times to their survival and their destiny. Love conquers failure. Love con- God so love. You, listen, never lose your faith in God's ability to redeem and restore and move people into, in spite of flawed humanity. Never lose. You guys that want to pastor, this is so critical to pastor. You have to preach that. You have to impart that. Because people are naturally negative, critical, cynical. And there's something in people. They love it when someone, I, I, I mean, aren't you glad that it didn't say that, that here James and John, yeah, man, we knew about Peter all the time. He, yeah, I'm, and they're mocking, laughing, rerunning it, examining it. Um, and all. It's not in there. What about your conversation? What about your conversations? I've been reading this uh, uh, text and it so intrigues me right now. Is about in the Old Testament how God over and over says when you're with your children, I want you to speak about me in your house. When you walk with them in the way, I want you to talk about me. When you're in the marketplace, I want you to talk about me. And I was thinking about that. We create a culture by the words we speak. And that's what God's saying. God's saying, uh, as you speak to them, you're creating a culture that I can live in. You can create a culture of my spirit and dominion and anointing and blessing and destiny and hope and faith. Uh, you, by the words you speak, he says, I want you to tell them about my commandments. I want you to talk to them about my statutes. 
I want, I want you to create a culture at home. And so I ask you, what kind of culture do you create by the words you speak away from the house of God? Well, that's true with new converts. What kind of culture do you, you create when you speak around new converts or someone who's struggling or someone who's fallen or failed? What do you speak? Watch Jesus. John 21, 15 through 17. Jeremiah. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me Remember what more I, than these? Listen. Listen. Love conquers failure. Peter, do you love me more than these? Go ahead. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Go ahead. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. Okay, these are shepherd terms. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. This ministry. Okay, go on. Next verse. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And so here, what he's, he's making this incredible statement to Peter. He said, Peter, listen, love conquers failure. Do you love me, Peter? If you love me, this thing is just a little dot in the road. Don't put a period where God wants to put a comma. And don't put a comma where God wants to put a period. But he's saying, listen, Peter, listen, listen. If you love me, if you love me, Peter, if your heart's still after me, listen, this thing, this, this, this denial, this cursing, all of this, listen, this is not going to be the, the, the capital of your life. That's not just true of Peter, that's true of you. But he's following up on Peter. He's following up on Peter. Sometimes you look at people and say, man, he's been saved. He don't need follow-up. Listen, listen. One of the things about follow-up, you need to build relationships now because somewhere they'll need you. Rare is the person who somewhere doesn't need you. This is what I tell you with your children. That's what I try to do with my grandchildren and not always success. But, but when they're small, build a relationship. They want to come to prayer, bring them to prayer. They want to go on outreach with you, take them on. A, let them see you witness at the restroom. Let them hear you at home talking about the, how good God is and what God has done and what God wants to do. And when you do that, when they grow older, somewhere they'll need you and you'll be there and you have a relationship. Here is Jesus. He has a relationship. And that when he speaks to Peter, He's able to minister. What would you have said right there? Remember the statements he makes. In, 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 in a few days, in a few days, Peter's going to stand and speak and 3,000 will be saved. What gave him the courage to do that? What gave him the ability to break through his failure and say, hey, God can still use me. I, can, I need to speak today. What gave him that courage? 
was one he loved God and God loved him and he knew it. I mean, that's it. Can you imagine? I mean, we're talking about a few days and he stands publicly. Little sermon and, and 3,000. See, you can have, listen, ministry comes out of a revelation of redemption. When you understand God's grace, when you understand God's ability, it's why, you know, you can see guys, and, and whether it's extreme, I've heard guys preach before and have this eloquent sermon. I mean, the sermon is a masterpiece on paper, and no one's moved. Someone else gets up. They stumble. They don't pronounce words right. They, they, I mean, it's, just, it's not polished. It's, it's not something, you know, that you'd put on the Internet. And they give an older call, and the older's flooded with people. Why is that? Because somewhere in their heart of hearts, uh, through the agonies of life, through the failures of life, through the trials, the disappointments, the setbacks, the difficulties, the struggles, they have understood, listen, it's about God. And he has this incredible ability. That is ministry. Ministry is not how cute you are and all. Ministry is when your heart has been infected with God's heart and filled with his love and revelation. And out of the abundance of the heart, you begin to speak. And people, they, they said, you know what? God, something supernatural. I can live for God. And this will change the world. He said, Peter... Remember he talked to him one time? He said, uh, who do men say that I am? Now, this, that. No, no, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you were a little stone. I'm going to make you a big rock. And I'm going to build my church on this. I want to tell you when God builds his church, listen to me carefully. God builds his church when you and I understand he has the ability to restore and heal and deliver flawed, addicted, broken humanity through you. Peter, you had a revelation. You were a little pebble. I'm going to make you a huge rock. You had a revelation of who I am. And through you now, and that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Listen, something powerful happened. I wonder what would happen if everyone in here embraced that and believed that. You know, God can move. God can heal. This woman last Sunday morning, back Sunday night, what a joy. I mean, I don't know if you saw her face, but I'm just looking at her. And, and I mean, just racked with pain. Just to lift her hands to be prayed for. I mean, it was all over her. She got saved. And God healed two ruptured discs. And she's back that night. I asked her that night. She had a big smile. She turned around. I mean, that's what God can do. Not what I can do. I'm not talking about what you can do. This is what God can do. Before, Peter was filled with self-confidence. Now he's filled with a God-confidence. A dimension of grace and truth. That is follow-up. That's the heart of a shepherd. 
That's the heart of God. And it's more. It comes through your personality, your language, your life. And this, this hell fears this. Everyone who fails doesn't have to die. And love conquers failure and setbacks and stumbles and falls. And so, so I want to I open. We got maybe five minutes or so. Uh, any in, input, any insight, uh, uh, anything you want to say? Martine. Uh, Pastor, one of the things that uh, I like to do with uh, new converts is uh, somehow connect with them, uh, somehow to be friends with them, listen to what they have to say. I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to get defensive with them. Uh, my goal is to fellowship with them and uh, so they can come to the next service, listen to you preach, and I think that's, that's for me, that's, uh, it works. Okay. Someone else? Very good. Someone else. Benny? Someone else. Who are you following up on? Who are you treating like this? Who do you know that's desperate, in trouble, or a new convert? Battling condemnation. Who do you, condemnation. They've had a struggle. Uh, 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 they've had a, a, a crisis. Their marriage is in crisis. They're so, who do, and you are, I'm not talking about just eating something. That may be part of it. Feed people. But, but I'm talking about you're able by your presence and your words and your experience of a God who has redeemed you, you're able to impart that to them and give them hope. Benny. One of the things you, I came to you a few years ago, Pastor, because I was frustrated on some guys that got saved by outreach and things of that nature. I said, Pastor, how long do you want me to be dedicated and calling these guys and following up and trying to get them? And something you told me and stuck with me. Just as long as it takes. Okay. So, so remember I said last week, God followed up on Adam and Eve. Where are you? Jesus, the blind man, his family assaulted him. His friends assaulted him. The religious community assaulted him. And Jesus went looking for him. Yes. Uh, Martin, someone? Uh, before yeah. going to the conference in Mochis. Going uh, to the conference in Los Mochis, okay. Uh, me and my wife attended. I was working with my brother and my sister-in-law. Cuando yo, yo voy a México, los invito a, a comer a un lugar. Y aprovecho la oportunidad de hablarle de Dios. Y de regreso de la conferencia a Los Mochis. Yo le dije a mi hermano, le dije, si tú murieras esta noche, le dije, ¿a dónde irías? I asked my brother, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Y él me dijo, pues al infierno, me dijo. He said, I would go to hell. Entonces me dijo, ¿qué hay que hacer para, para irme al cielo? 
le dije acepta a Jesucristo en tu corazón le dije y oramos por él y mi cuñada I pray for him and my y se salvaron and they got saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, just one, one more, but I want to make a statement. Uh, Peter didn't run away. If you run away, you'll never experience redemption. The, the problem when life isn't going the way we want or we're, uh, there's a difficulty, there's a struggle, uh, disappointment, a failure on our part, someone else. The, the temptation today is to run, run from relationship to relationship, church to church, city to city, place to place. But you'll never have the revelation of a God who can minister and redeem and work miracles where you are. And that's why many people don't have ministry. They have knowledge. See, ministry comes out of life. Peter, oh, I know that you're going to do this, but once you strengthen, you're going to have something to give your brethren. Yes, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Oh, my name is Stacy. I'm from Alabama. Stacy from Alabama. Yes, sir. I want to ask you a question real quick. Genesis 129 and 130. I'm a vegetarian. I'm from two verses. You're a pastor. Can you verify whether I'm doing the right thing or I'm doing the wrong thing according to scriptures? That's uh, the first question. The second question is, could God be the air in which we breathe as being the breath of life? Uh, Genesis God, 2. Okay, 7. I'll answer both of them. Yes, yes God is uh, the breath of life. He breathed into man the God breath of life. Okay, let me finish. And what he breathed in was himself. Okay, Amen. and the Holy Spirit is the breath of life in the New Testament. As far as being a vegetarian, uh, that's your choice. Uh, we don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New uh, to that degree. I was a vegetarian as a kid and didn't know it. We couldn't afford meat. And so uh, uh, if you want to be a vegetarian, I haven't. But the problem I have, a lot of people uh, who are vegetarians get weird. They get they get they get uh, twisted and kinky, and uh, they become obsessed with it. Uh, you you can go in the northwest up there, and they're all talking about uh, being a vegetarian. And I told them I said, well, the only problem was the first sin was a was a was a, a tree, the fruit of a tree. The first sin wasn't beef or cattle; it was the fruit of a tree. So anyway, the Lord bless you. Uh, we'll pick it up a little later.